Presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board. This is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. The podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland. Welcome to the Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. When you think about evangelism, the majority of people immediately think of personal one-on-one witnessing. And although that is incredibly important, and I'm not diminishing that at all, it's not the only way to do evangelism. In the Bible, I see two basic forms of evangelism. There is the go and tell, and then there's the come and see. Go and tell is sending people out to live on mission and show and share the love of Christ with the lost world. We've had some excellent tools over the years to help uh, with that, whether it was evangelism explosion or continuing witnessing training or faith or a host of others. Come and see is when the church goes out and invites others to a worship experience where someone will share the gospel with them. We kind of see that in the Bible with Pentecost and Andrew went and got his Peter and the woman at the well went and got her friends and brought them to Jesus. We find our top evangelistic churches really know how to leverage the come and see approach. I think they figure it this way. If lost people are going to be in attendance on Sunday, we better make sure we're giving them the gospel and inviting them to trust Christ. Our churches need to be open to receiving guests on Sunday so that we can engage all people in our community with the gospel. You have to ask yourself as a pastor, how evangelistic are Sunday mornings in my church? If lost people are going to be in attendance, shouldn't we use our gatherings to preach the gospel and invite people into relationship with him? Let's take a break, and when we return, I'll be joined by our co-host, and we'll hear from one of the top evangelistic pastors about the idea of reaching people on Sunday. I'm joined today by my co-host, Scott Smith. Scott, how important is this come-and-see evangelism in your mind? Uh, it's pretty important considering that if we didn't do it, most of the people who've come to Christ in this country would not have come to Christ, providence notwithstanding. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's it's pretty important. It, it, if you look at a strategy that's working, uh, I mean, it still works the best in terms of bringing the most people to Christ uh, in any given week around the country. Yeah, I know you, one of the things you do at Georgia is you interview often the top 10 baptizing churches in your state. And when you're interviewing them, how often do you hear, uh, in regards to evangelism, the pastor referencing people coming to Christ on Sunday mornings? Oh, every time, 100% of the time. Yeah, there, there's no there's no question. Personal evangelism is something that we all, like, really as, as church leaders want our people to do. Like, we're constantly thinking, man, how do I get people to share their faith? That's a tough nut to crack, and that is certainly biblical. We should be equipping our people to share their faith. Um, but there is something unique about come and see, come and see evangelism that do, that personal evangelism doesn't have. I'm not saying it's better than. I'm just saying that it doesn't have, and that is the 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 showing the gospel corporately. Mm-hmm. I think is powerful and unique, and uh, in in our culture, at least in this country, it's pretty pretty persuasive. And I'd say so probably around the world. Yeah, and I think there's this tension maybe in a lot of pastors' minds between well Sunday morning worship, and when we say Sunday morning, we we mean really weekend worship of any kind, you, you know, uh, I know church Saturday night or whatever it may be. There's this tension between weekend worship experience being for the believer 
and this tension of a weekend worship experience being for an unbeliever. Uh, how, do you, how do you reconcile that, you think? Oh, I think that's, you know, I, I've struggled with that. I think everyone who takes Scripture seriously, who has a heart for the lost, uh, who really understands, you know, and has a passion to see people become reproducing disciples, struggles with that tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you have to look at, uh, again, you, you have to look at where, where are lost people most likely to, to, to engage the gospel, Voluntarily, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's typically going to be at a local church on a on a Sunday morning. Are we stewarding that mm-hmm. fact? Good Are we word. stewarding that opportunity uh, for the gospel um, at, at the greatest and deepest level? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, we have to be careful about speaking absolutes in this. It does not have right. to be either or. It can be a both and uh, philosophy when it comes to that. And the most effective and and uh, the top baptizing churches in the country, I think. Uh, have resolved that mm-hmm. largely. They they don't they they do they've kind of come to a good balance with the tension. Yeah, and I think you, you just said something that I will make want to make sure pastors hear, and that is the top evangelistic churches because uh, we just no matter I mean it's it is so rare for me to talk to a a pastor who's actually reaching people and him not to emphasize Sunday mornings as the most evangelistic thing they do. I'm shocked if I ever hear anything different. And you're about in that same category as well, as you just said. So I think we have to be careful to pull this out of theory and into actually what's going on. Yeah, we wish, I mean, there's this part of us that wish our members were out sharing the gospel, leading people to Christ. And that feels like the most New Testament evangelistic thing to do. But yet when we see the New Testament, Jesus was always speaking to large crowds and sharing the gospel. I think I think that's where where the error comes in, where the the the, the fault is, is made, where we, we actually drop the ball when we look sometimes and overemphasize um, the, the the method of Jesus in particular about re- reproducing reproducing disciples. Mm-hmm. That is the heart of the Great Commission. So uh, uh, some pastors can become very myopic with that and ignore you know Acts chapter two and a lot of the other exactly. things that were going on uh, in the New Testament. E- even with Andrew, as you've already said. Uh, the come and see to 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 their own hurt because once they become idealistic on uh, you know trying to mobilize disciples equip disciples to make disciples and put all of their evangelism strategy on that and I've been in so many churches and consulted with so many that are doing just that mm-hmm. and wondering why they're not reaching more not baptizing more well we, if we could only get our people to catch the vision for the great commission disciple making process yes but most of them are not. Right. Matter of fact, most of the people Jesus preached to did not. Right. And so uh, your numbers are probably never going to be better than Jesus. Jesus poured his life into a few. And on any given Sunday, the crowd that you're preaching to, only a few are going to run with the whole disciple-making process. Now, I know this could be offensive to some, but I think in, in realizing this, that there's a lot of both and in the yes. New Testament. There is right. both and. We're building, reproducing disciples while we're using the most effective forms of evangelism. So if, you, if you're going to build your church on making sure that all of the people are missional and, and, and in missional communities and, and reaching more for Christ and being disciple makers, at the same time, you've got to ask yourself the question, are we not leading some people to Jesus that we otherwise could while we're doing that? Exactly. And the platform, it seems, the place, the location, the context, the environment for that to happen most often and most predictably is in the Sunday gathering. 
Yeah, and I know some people will say, uh, so I preached this past Sunday, we had nine people come to faith in Christ. I know some would say, well, not all those really, you know, probably really got saved. Sure, but not everybody you disciple one-on-one is it going to stick with either. At some point, you have to have new converts to stick into a discipleship process somewhere along the way. And I I just believe in, in look, talking to these guys, and you've talked to them as well, I like to have a good transition into a into a a gospel presentation on Sundays, but even if I don't have a good transition, they're doing it anyway. I mean, like it's like okay, pattern interrupt. <laughs> right. I know I've been talking about marriage. Now let me talk to you about how you can go to heaven when you know when you die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you often say though, true that it's not hard to make the segue. Actually, it's not you, hard you to can, make the segue. A little right. creativity, but yeah, always in, include the gospel. And I would say to some that would say, well, you know, that's really not what Sunday morning's for. I'd say, well, would you rather the nine not be saved? Right, <laughs> I mean, exactly. See, at the end of the day, exactly. we have to ask the question, um, you know, are we are we using all effective methods? You know, Paul said that I might by all means save some, mm. lest mm. by any means. And so, uh, you know, when you take Paul's paradigm around reaching people, Paul was very clear that you need a multifaceted uh, multi-pronged strategy for reaching people with the gospel. Yeah, and that includes Sunday morning for Every sure. time. Recently, Tim Dowdy, pastor of Eagles Landing uh, Church in McDonough, gave some insight into having a wide front door philosophy for evangelism in our churches. Let's listen in to what Tim says. I think the second W in, in this little first piece is this welcoming. I think one of the things for all of us is we have got to keep the front door of our churches wide, really wide. In other words, what I'm saying is, is when you go out and engage the community with the gospel and people see the gospel as an opportunity, not a duty, and they start having those conversations and they bring their friends to church, they don't look like you, sound like you, dress like you, talk like you. They still have to feel loved by you. You see, when somebody, when somebody in your church is out in the community engaging people with the gospel, there are all kinds of people in your community. I mean, our community is... is, is is different. Okay, it's changed over time. When I went there, it was very small. There was about 40,000 people. There's about 220,000 people now. Early on, it was predominantly white. Now in our school system, it's 50% black, 36% white, and the other is a mixture of Asian and Hispanic. But God still put us right in the middle of the community to hold the light of the gospel to every single person that surrounds us, no matter where they're from, what they look like, the color of their skin, no matter what job they have. And our church has got to be the place where when someone goes out and shares with them the good news of the gospel and that Jesus loves them, when they show up for church, the church really just has to love them. I think one of the reasons why we fail in evangelism so many times is because over time we, we talk to people about the gospel. When they show up at our church, we don't show them the gospel. We don't love them the way Jesus loves them. I, let me tell you this. I know this. I, I'm like anybody else. I can get in the flesh really easy, okay? I don't know if you know that about yourself, but listen. I, listen, who will deliver me from this body of death? I mean, I, I, I understand that, you know? And uh, on Sunday mornings when I'm praying for my day, I pray this prayer every Sunday morning. God, give me your eyes that I'll see people the way you see them. Give me your heart that I will love people the way you love them. And give me your hands that I will help people the way you help them. Because unless you work in me, I know I won't. I'll get too tied up in what I'm doing, too busy, and walk right past people and not even see them 
the way God sees them. That's probably a prayer I need to pray every single day, particularly on Sunday, though, when so many people are on our campus and so many people are there and there's so many people moving around and people pulling at you, but you've got to have the eyes of the Lord to see them. And, you know, when somebody walks in and they're hurting and they're struggling, but they're different. You say the God that you're telling me about lives in you. Does he love me through you? I mean, that... That speaks volumes. I'll tell you about a guy that walked in our church, moved from Detroit just two weeks ago, oh, two months ago. Going through a difficult time, separated from his wife, got two little kids, tattooed everywhere. Okay. Slipped into the early service. Nobody even knew he was there at the invitation time. He came down and talked to one of our staff members. Um, the next day, our staff member was talking to me about it and says, listen, man, I'm going to take this guy to lunch. He really is heartbroken. He's really struggling. They're, they're separated. He's got a job down here now, and, and, um, but he's not a believer. Okay. I took him to lunch. Two weeks later, I'm talking to that same staff member. He said, man, uh, this guy in our church met him, took him to breakfast the other day, shared the same gospel I shared with him at lunch that day. And over the next three weeks, Tommy's heard the gospel about, Ten times. And the staff member on our staff calls me one day and says, Hey, he trusted in Jesus for salvation today. Can we baptize him? And we were having an outdoor service, and I said, Man, we don't have a baptistry out there. He said, Man, he's ready. So we got a wash tub, kind of a one of those troughs they feed horses out of, filled it up with water out there. And said, Man, I don't know if a, a guy from the inner city of Detroit's really going to want to get baptized in the country in a trough, but he did. I mean, I just had that same staff member just talked to me about him two days ago. He said, man, this guy is growing. He is on fire with the gospel of Jesus. I can tell you one of the keys, when Tommy walked in the door, he really didn't look like a lot of people in our church, but he was loved like every other person in our church. Scott, a couple statements that uh, Tim said that really stood out to me on that was uh, keep the front door of our churches wide and have the eyes of the Lord on Sunday mornings. That'd go a long ways to being evangelistic if we're saying, hey, number one, we're welcoming to everyone that comes in the building. And number two, as a pastor, as a thousand ways you get pulled, keep in mind there are hurting people there who need the gospel every Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what some of the stats he shared kind of reminded me that we really do need to not always assume that who you're expecting to come through the door are the ones that are going to sure. come through the door. It's going to be changing. Sure. Uh, the demographics are going to change. Uh, and a lot of times, like you said, they're not going to look like us or, or be what maybe our church even was traditionally. Yeah. So we need to we need to make sure that, that we're keeping that door wide, um, you know, and, and, and keeping our expectations uh, loosely held as to what might happen with that. Yeah, I love um, – to quote another top evangelistic pastor in Georgia, J.R. Lee, who's at Freedom Church in Ackworth, um, I, he he made a statement that I I just can't. I mean, I use it all the time. Uh, I think if I use it ten more times, it's my statement, you know. <laughs> but he said every Sunday is somebody's one day, mm-hmm. and that's the one day that you know family members have been praying for them, coworkers have been inviting them, and 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 somehow this Sunday heaven and earth has been moved, and they show up at church on Sunday. We can't afford not to preach the gospel in that circumstance, can we? No, absolutely. And we've got to understand that that that's where often the harvest happens from personal evangelism. Mm-hmm. 
So in his story, for instance, the guy from Detroit, I mean, the guy had heard the gospel. He said 10 times different people had taken him to lunch, things like that. So he's hearing the gospel, hearing the gospel, hearing the gospel, but it was in that corporate setting that he finally decided to give his heart to Christ, if, yeah. I, if I understood correctly. So so right. there, there's there's something about that corporate gathering that that a lot of times there's just it's a little more uh, ripe uh, as an environment for harvest to come in. Yeah, and uh, we just you know as a pastor I don't care who draws the net if it's drawn on Sunday morning if it's drawn over lunch with a church member um, all glory to God either way right? right 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 but but yeah to your point though a lot of times it's not your sermon it's the fact that you gave yeah, that gospel it clicks. And eight people shared Christ with him before he came to that point. Which is why you can preach on a really weird topic that has nothing to do with salvation, give a gospel presentation, and someone gets saved. Yeah, uh, exactly. It wasn't you. Right. You know, uh, there's a lot been moving to make that happen. And good thing you didn't leave it out. And exactly. Good thing you didn't leave it out. Well, when we look at top evangelistic churches, there there are three things we see on Sunday morning. I almost hit these just kind of in an overview fashion. Um uh, number one, we see that the top evangelistic churches are expectant. And by that, we mean they expect God and they expect guests. There was a high emphasis on prayer and spiritual awakening. And uh, matter of fact, in the next podcast, we're going to talk about this. And then there was a high emphasis uh, emphasis on um, guest reception. Uh, Scott, you've been in these churches. You were you know, in evangelism for 20 years. You can tell the difference when a church is expecting company and when they're not prepared for company, can't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And uh, it starts in the parking lot, for sure. Uh, and we find that the top baptizing churches are passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll even, they'll even you know, bring in mystery worshipers and things like that to uh, to evaluate the facilities and, and that sort of thing to optimize the guest experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, very expectant. You recognize it as soon as you go in the building. Hey, these people are prepared. They expect lost people to very be on, much. on campus. Uh, the second thing we find is that they're engaging in the music and the message. Now, a couple things here, uh, and we'll get into this greater detail later on in the line, but you know, 97% of the churches would describe their uh, – of top evangelistic churches that we uh, studied would describe the worship experience as uh, blended or contemporary. And over 50% of those just said contemporary. That's a little bit of a shift in culture. Oh yeah, definitely. From yeah. from the time we started looking at this stuff, especially say ten, even ten years ago, twenty years ago. Yeah, and my running joke is if I'll say it again, if Van Halen ten years ago was leading <laughs> your Sunday morning worship, you would have said you were blended. Yeah, because you're afraid of that word contemporary, you know, yeah. a little bit. Not, the fear not, is gone. Yeah, yeah not we, anymore. We've embraced it. And and we're not saying, look, Pastor, we're not trying to tell you, you know, you've you've got to have a certain worship style. We're just saying the the generation of millennials and now. The book yesterday was uh, James Henry White released the book Generation Z, which is the next generation. They just want engaging. They want authentic. They want to be part of the experience, not come and just watch the experience. You know, and I think that even alters our preaching styles a little bit. Um, you know, uh, we rarely see a lecturer uh, of what we would have thought maybe twenty years ago at a top evangelistic churches. There's there's a lot of connecting with the audience, you know, making sure that they feel part of the uh, sermon going on. And if you want a good example, there's one reason TED Talks go viral. You know, it's yeah. just a very engaging topic and process and all that. And thirdly, which is really what we've been talking about, is we find that they're very evangelistic on Sunday mornings. You go into top evangelistic church, you're going to hear the gospel. 
Mm-hmm. They, they see it as game day for the gospel. That, exactly right. In a lot of ways. Uh, it, they build up to it. It's the main event. And it's a very it's very much focused on, and maybe not the whole sermon, like we have keep kind of disclaimer, disclaimer, not the whole sermon is always evangelistic, but you better believe it. Uh, they've got their systems down for uh, bringing new believers into next steps, starting in that service, making sure after they've heard the, that they've heard the gospel and that that starts the discipleship process, um, that they see a lot of conversions. And so uh, they expect people to get saved on Sundays. So, which I think is so. I know there's there's some, there's a pastor out there who's running sixty seven. You know about the typical Southern Baptist church size exactly, and he's thinking, well, great, that's easy if you run thousands. There's obviously going to be lost people there, but I I have sixty seven, and I can name the exact sixty seven from week to week that'll be there. But would you agree with me, Scott, that part of that issue is um, people aren't bringing lost people, maybe because you're you're not having an evangelistic service. On Sunday mornings, that maybe if we if we say, well, I'll be evangelistic when lost people are in the building, it, it may have it out of order. I'm gonna most top evangelistic pastors I talk to say, I'm gonna be evangelistic so that they will bring lost people to hear the gospel while they're in the building. Right, right. You and I heard of a very unique story of a church I think out in Oklahoma. I can't remember. Not even sure if it was Southern Baptist, but. The pastor has a uh, has developed a habit of every single Sunday morning he gives some version of his testimony, mm-hmm. standalone before he starts his message somewhere in the music time, and he he gives that testimony and and uh, you know the pool room to the pulpit kind of thing, just yeah. kind of like Johnny Hunt, you know, just that that testimony. And uh, now, what is that? What's happening? Well, n- a number of things is happening in that. Uh, you know, he gives his testimony. This is later. I'm going to preach a message, and then at the end of that message, you're going to have the opportunity. To, to know the same Jesus I know. Mm-hmm. So what what's happening there? Well, number one, he's teaching people how to share their testimony passively. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but he's also giving a clear gospel presentation every single service, which raises the expectation on multiple levels. That number one, if I bring a lost person, they will hear the gospel. And number two, they're probably lost people here. There's something about hearing the pastor deliver a gospel presentation mm-hmm. that says, you know what, somebody here might be lost. Yeah, it's almost as if, uh, the gospel attracts lostness. Yeah, you, you know, if you if you give it, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit will make sure there there are lost people who are going to be in your service. Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of goes back to the thing where you know, even if you don't see any guests in your church and you run sixty seven, go ahead and still say, if you're a guest with us today, would you take a gift card? Yeah, just say it anyway yeah. because it it raises that awareness that oh, we expect guests, we yeah. want guests. That expectation is is key. Well, and I heard about a church one time, and I'll I'll end it with this: that um, uh, small church, somebody came into the church who had babies, and they literally had to go basically get the lawnmower out of the nursery and find somebody to, you know, watch the baby and dust off things. And, and so, you know, obviously that person never came back who had a baby. And so I think the argument would be from the pastor would be, well, we, we, we haven't had any babies in, in months or years show up to our service. So we weren't ready for babies. But the point being, if you don't get ready, you'll miss the opportunity. Oh, that's so good. I, I'd rather right. have somebody, I'd rather have a clean nursery with someone sitting in it with nothing to do, then need one mm-hmm. and not have it when the time comes. Expectation. Yeah. Preach the gospel, be expected, and God can do amazing things. Pastor, you have a unique opportunity every Sunday morning to be evangelistic and to gather on mission, gather with the idea 
of reaching people with the gospel. Change something this week. Do something different so that on this Sunday, you're making sure your services are evangelistic. Thanks for listening to Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. To find out more about leading your church on mission, be sure and check out the blog, www.namb.net forward slash your church on mission. To send in a comment or question, email it to evangelism at namb.net.